Hamina, 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 Shamalama Ding Dong. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, our Darkwing Duck podcast, where we're on our way to a horrible death by suffocation. I'm your host, Mike Russo, and today we are talking about Dances with Bigfoot. This episode is dropping just a stone's throw away from a brand new DuckTales 17 episode, an hour-long special all about Darkwing Duck. So if you're listening the morning of the 19th, I hope you're excited. As you might have been able to tell, Will is not here again tonight. It's a shame he wasn't feeling all that great again tonight. So with me for a return appearance is my friend Bill Yudesky. Welcome back, Bill. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Did you think you'd be back so soon? Uh, honestly, uh, not really, but uh, it's 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 always fun to be a part of uh, the podcast once again. You know, especially for uh, an episode uh, this uh, manic uh, <laughs> as the one that we're about to, to talk about today. Yeah, this is an odd one. <laughs> um, but before we get into it, are you excited for uh, Let's Get Dangerous? Oh, absolutely. I- I'm pretty sure like most of the, uh, uh, the people in the, um, uh, the St. Canard Files Zoom chat and uh, many other people online, we're, we're all pretty jazzed up uh, about it. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing. I know as of this recording, uh, I know the, uh, the upcoming uh, DuckTales, or at least the, uh, the Trickening, uh, apparently will be having uh, Bushroot in it. So that's, that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm, I'm just anxious to see what's, uh, what's going to happen because, uh, you know, there's, there's so much that they could do in the show, but yeah. uh, only until we, we actually see it will we uh, uh, understand what, what the writers and the uh, animators really did. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. I mean, I have to admit, I haven't been too thrilled with lots of episodes from season three, um, but I'm definitely looking forward to this one. As of this recording, we just got off the episode they put a moonlander on the Earth, which had a hamburger hippo reference. Um, so these writers truly love Darkwing, and with an hour to spend on Darkwing Duck, I really expect something amazing. Um, but by the time I think a lot of people listen to this, they probably would have already seen it, is my guess. Um, so we at the St. Canard Files do have something planned to address the episode once we've seen it. No spoilers yet, I won't tell you what we're doing, but we, we have, we'll have some sort of flash quack coming up. So, uh, yeah. Let's get dangerous. Hour-long DuckTales special on Darkwing Duck. I'm excited. You're excited. I think everybody should be. We're all excited. But yes, it's really. It's This will be a good one. I think this will end up being the biggest thing to happen to Darkwing Duck this entire year. Thank you, COVID. Um, I was hoping for more. Any of our fans who go back, way back to the beginning of this year might remember our, our roundtable. All our predictions about what's going to happen with Darkwing Duck. And almost none of them came true. <laughs> so even, much the, even the disney afternoon uh book that disney was publishing got pushed back till next fall so um yeah this is probably the biggest thing that's happening with darkwing duck this year so let's savor it 
So yeah, who knows? I mean, it could it could lead to uh, you know whatever the reception or as if there's a positive reception to this, perhaps you know it could uh, uh, change the uh, the life of the series as we know it. We said that over a year ago with the Duck Knight Returns, and we're still waiting for that spinoff. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, so here we go. This is our episode. We are talking about Dancing with Bigfoot. Um, Bill, where'd that title come from? Uh, clearly from a, I believe that's a 1990s era film. Uh, no. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, no, early 90s, clearly. Uh, 1990 uh, movie Dances with Wolves featuring Kevin Costner. Right. And I've never seen it. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. So... I, I don't I don't think I don't believe a lot of this plot has to do with the movie. You know these Disney shows they just take movie titles and they turn them into puns. It happens all the time. So dances with Bigfoot. Um, original air date Thursday February sixth nineteen ninety two. Um, I'm going to tell you something in- interesting about the production order, Bill. Um, okay. You know, I've said production order doesn't really matter. You know, Tad Stones has told me, you know, they just make these things in whatever order they make them. The numbers don't matter that much. But this is episode 65 in production order, which okay. is which is significant. If those 13 episodes didn't go over to ABC and the ABC was not involved at all with Darkwing Duck, by production numbers, this would have been the last episode. That's incredible. Well, when you think about it, because, you know, no ABC means those second season wouldn't have happened. Those 13 episodes would have aired during the Disney afternoon, beginning of 1991. They wouldn't have needed to come up with 13 more episodes to compensate in the spring. So just by production numbers, this would be at the very bottom of the list. That's very interesting. I I never would have pegged this particular episode to be like a, you know, an end of production episode. but. I guess so. Yeah, more or less. I mean, again, numbers don't matter that much, but still, it's 65th by production number. Uh, I mean, we're glad. I'm really glad ABC picked it up because we got more episodes that way. So I ain't complaining. So our story editor this time is Steve Roberts again. Uh, He was a writer. He had written, you know, uh, Adopticon, uh, Negaduck, and Night of the Living Spud. He moved up to story editor. And... This isn't his last episode as story editor. That would be Quack of Ages. Um, but I think this is one of his stronger ones. Definitely the strongest one he was story editor on was the Negaverse. I think this is just under that. It isn't as bad as Quack of Ages or Planet of the Capes. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's not as good as Negaverse, though. No. Uh, our writers this episode are Ellen Sfako and Colleen Tabor. This is their last episode. They had written um, Wiffle While You Work. They had written Twice R Us. And they also wrote Planet of the Capes. Um, this is their last one. Um, I don't think it's good as those two Quacker Jack episodes. But again, it's definitely better than Planet of the Capes. Um, <laughs> it's funny. A lot of their episodes were Darkwing Goslin episodes. And this is definitely a Darkwing Goslin episode. Uh, to the point where Launchpad's not in it. And um, Honker gets a really big role in this one. Yeah, definitely. I like how they use him here. Um, a lot of this episode, like the whole first act, really doesn't have much Darkwing in it. So it's basically Goslin's show, and Honker plays off her the same way Launchpad plays off of Darkwing. 
with like the snippy comebacks and stuff like that. And this is an excellent use of Honker. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's he's the kind he's of... been, yeah, he's the voice of reason, uh, and he always corrects Gosling when she's wrong, which uh, probably more often than not uh, she is. So You make it sound like a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> he even has some snark in this one, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a, there's a great uh, uh, joke with him uh, uh, about midway through that I, I quite enjoyed, and um, looking forward to, to talking about that. And the animation, again, I had mentioned last week, the five consecutive episodes with Sun Wu. So, hey, Sun Wu's back. Um, anything in particular about the animation you want to mention, Bill? Um, I don't know if anything really stood out per se. Uh, I, I, I actually, the one thing I always was glued to watching this episode was uh, uh, the looks of Goslin. I feel like she had just her eyes like almost like bug-eyed features and expressions uh were actually pretty well done and uh i mean i'd give sun woo uh, credit to that sun woo could get crazy sometimes with eye expressions um the animation is a little inconsistent there are some shots where goslin has these huge long arms um but there's some funny expressions some nice nighttime lighting because a lot of the middle act takes place by a fireplace uh, by a, a campfire in the tribe not a fireplace excuse me so there's some cool lighting in this episode too but nothing crazy you know sun woo you, you get what you get with sun woo sure um one thing i mentioned before we really take off into the plot the opening title card for this one is really strange how there's no dialogue or music over it just chirping birds and it sets a very interesting tone that this episode runs with like it's very dialogue heavy a lot of quiet moments where characters react very subtly on um, it's yeah you, you mentioned it's manic but it's not like physically manic it's more just the ideas and there's like just like silly dialogue and silly ideas in this one yeah, uh, would of, you agree with that yeah definitely there there's a ton of dialogue a lot of um i guess uh jokes brought up um you know, from the characters themselves, uh, a lot of back and forth between Gauze and Honker. So, yeah, I, I could agree with that for sure. Yeah, we're definitely entering a period now that at this point in the production, the Japanese Australian crews are done. Um, the show is getting a little bit more writing heavy and dialogue heavy as opposed to visually heavy. So you get a lot more wall to wall dialogue in the show at this point. We have a few episodes coming up by air date that were animated by the better animation teams, but we're going to hit a point where there's a lot more dialogue. There's a lot more conversations. There's a lot more. The It's more about the funny ideas and funny animation at this point. Um, and that's fine because the writing is still pretty strong. Sure. Um, but let's start our plot. Start us off. What's going on with Goslin and Drake? Okay. So we find ourselves in the Mallard home. Uh, Goslin's uh, trying to uh, egg on her father to join him on his next mission because uh, Launchpad's on vacation and she's all geared up uh, as the Crimson Quackette and wants to join in uh, on her dad. How's she dressed? Uh, she's got uh, basically a lot of attire that Darkwing wears, the uh, big broad hat, um, a very, I guess, swashbuckler-esque uh, um, shirt uh, and uh, a cape, of course. Um, she's 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 very similar to, to Darkwing in the uh, 
the flourishes and the uh, broad actions and everything. But the colors make her look a little bit like Zorro. Yes, yes. Just a I little bit. I should have put that uh, together, yeah. Because <laughs> it's mostly blacks and reds and whites. Right. And um, I, I do like, there's a line from Drake when she asked him why can't she help him. He just looks away from his newspaper and goes, because you don't have any experience, and goes back to reading the paper. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she slices his newspaper in, in half with a spatula. She booby traps the rug, and that doesn't help to get him to uh, – to be to, to want her him to help her, he's just not interested. He's not. He wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, coming up is one of my favorite scenes in the episode. Here, Drake's in the kitchen mixing gas gun recipes. He's actually holding a book that says Betty Crocker gas gun recipes. Like the name Betty Crocker is on the book, and you get a good close up of it, so you can definitely read it. Um, but then he notices he's been bugged. He picks up a microphone. Uh, he follows the wire out of the house, up a ladder, into Goslin's window, into her bedroom, where you see on her bed, there's just a big lump. Something's under the covers, glowing. He pulls the covers away, and there's Goslin wearing headphones, surrounded by radio equipment. She looks up at him and goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, where'd she get all that stuff? Right. And, and just secondly, Christine Kavanaugh's line read on what is so innocent like she totally thinks this is nothing's wrong with this yeah christine's um, an all-star in this episode for sure well she she has almost all the best scenes she does a lot of the talking um so she goes to bed you know dark drake goes to bed too uh next morning she wakes up bursts into his bedroom and he's not there take it take it from here bill what's going on where is mr drake uh, well, uh, Goslin uh, can't find him. Uh, she thinks that he's on a mission because he doesn't uh, get up before noon. Uh, sees his costume left behind, though. That um, can't be it then. Yeah, well, you know, something, something's, something's wrong. So uh, Honker uh, ends up uh, swinging by, and they end up uh, examining some clues. I love this. I, I know, like... I've heard some people complain that Goslin is is a bit brainless in this one. She isn't as competent as people think she probably should be. But I do think a lot of this is extremely funny. Like, she finds what she thinks is a flute on the ground, and she immediately jumps to the conclusion that her dad's been kidnapped by the St. Canard Jazz Ensemble. <laughs> and it's so specific, the jazz ensemble. Yeah. Um, but Honker points out it's a blowgun. So she inspects it, and she deduces it's made of a rare loblolly pine, which I swear they only pick that word because it's funny to hear Christine Kavanaugh say it. <laughs> loblolly pine. Uh-huh. Like, she says it twice in a row, and it's just like, it's like the picnic flange. It's just, it's a funny word. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah, what's up? What are you going to say? I, I was going to say, uh, I feel like she's, well, on top of saying that word, she mentions that it's a reasonable facsimile whenever Honker proves her wrong. I swear uh, Darkwing's said something similar to that in a previous episode. And I just why thought I, of it for sure. Why I like this is she's very much like Darkwing. And um, it turns out it's not loblolly pine. It's just plastic wood grain. <laughs> 
And then when they see a tree having been turned over in the backyard, Goslin thinks Drake has been kidnapped by termites. So she's <laughs> jumping to all sorts of stupid conclusions. Um, but they find gigantic footprints in the yard, and she uses her comic book to deduce that Drake's been kidnapped by the big Bigfoot. And um, there's there's something written on the blowgun, and she can't read it, but that's only because she's holding the blowgun upside down. It's hieroglyphics. But what does it say? Where, where um, what does the hier- quote-unquote hieroglyphics on the blowgun say? Well, Honker determines it says, if found, please return to Bigfoot Tribe, Great Pacific Northwest. It's, it's, this episode is just so strange. I mean, it's a Bigfoot tribe that leaves something like that on their blowguns. It's, this is such an odd episode. I do enjoy it, though. The question is, how do you get to the Pacific Northwest? There are two children. How do they get there? What is well, their only first? Makes sense, only makes sense to take the Thunderquack. Oh, yeah, of course. And <laughs> Goslin gives a look to the camera as if she's been waiting to do this her entire life. Um, yeah, so they get into Thunderquack, put on their flying ace scarfs, and then what happens? Uh, apparently, uh, they trigger the... Uh, they, well, I guess they launch the plane, which I think they reused a shot from the opening credit sequence. I forget which episode that was. Duck Blind. But- Duck line, that's what it was. But yeah, uh, the Thunder Quack uh, flies out from, from uh, the Audubon uh, Bay Bridge and uh, leaves uh, Goslin and Honker uh, ejected out of the, out of the, uh, out of the jet. <laughs> yeah, and this is, not, this is a pretty smartly written episode because a lot of things that are happening in the first act pay off later in the episode, this included. Um, next, they decide to take... Um, Zeppelin flying lessons. And okay, this is a, this is a instance of the voice casting picking a famous actress to voice a character that literally has two or three lines. There is the Zeppelin driving instructor. Her name is Dottie Debson. She's voiced by Ruth Buzzy of all people. Yeah. Like really Ruth Buzzy? Like, you yeah. can't just get Susan Tolsky or Joan Gerber or Kat Susie, someone who's already employed in the studio. You get Ruth Buzzy? I guess somebody in the <laughs> uh, uh, voice casting uh, might have just thought, hey, let's uh, let's try to seek out a uh, comedy legend and see if she'd be interested in doing a couple lines for the show. The character is not even funny. <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, Goslin almost drives a Zeppelin into some power lines, and uh, Dottie jumps out. She uh, ejects, and uh, unfortunately, Goslin and Honker have to jump out as well. Um, they don't get very far. They just land in the river, and there's St. Canard right across the bay. And you know, uh, But the Zeppelin comes back later. Again, these things keep coming back. Right. And, and, and real quick, uh, Mike, I just wanted to point out, did you notice in uh, the Disney Plus uh, – um, oh, uh, their, yeah. their version, they slowed down the footage of Dottie parachuting. Why? Hmm? Why? I, I don't know. Hold on to those DVDs, kids. Yeah, for um, sure. So they decide to mail themselves to the Pacific Northwest because Honker makes a comment about stamps. Um, I do really love this little the implication here that the address on the box they mail themselves in like, verbatim says, A Ranger, Ranger Station, Somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. 
and they get there. Um, the mailman is Jim doing the voice he usually uses when he makes fun of Launchpad. And the ranger who gets like two lines is voiced by Hal Rail. So again, they're bringing in someone just to do two lines here. Um, okay, though. And uh, so Gosling and Honker, they, they go off into the woods to find Drake. How does that go, Bill? Uh, not, not too good. Uh, not too, first off, not too good. Yeah, first off, they uh, run into a snake. Uh, it is really funny, though, because Honker sees the snake and runs away screaming. And Gosling goes, Honker, it's just a little twig. And it is a snake. And she runs off screaming just like he did. <laughs> and uh, then Goslin is like, oh, I wish, what would Darkwing do? And she looks up to find the North Star, but instead it's a Zeppelin flying past the moon. <laughs> it's following them. Yep, the gag keeps coming back. And uh, then they end up in quicksand. And what happens next? Uh, Goslin, uh, she must have brought along her dad's uh, gas gun because she uses it to. Uh, uh, link around a couple trees, but ends up pulling them down. <laughs> That's so. This is the line I said at the beginning of the episode. She said, "In a few short seconds, we'll be on our way," and the trees land on top of them. And she says, "To a horrible death by suffocation." <laughs> <laughs> that line. And, that line Christine gives. It's like her very low key, like curmudgeon tone, and it yeah, just works so very, well. It's very defeated. Like she's she's gonna accept this death. If they die, she's accepted it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, another callback when they were in Drake's bedroom they smelled his awful cologne and that's what they smell now and it leads them to Drake he's in a hut in a Bigfoot tribe getting from the looks of it getting massaged is that what's happening uh, no he's getting marinated and they didn't invite Goslin to the wedding <laughs> not married <laughs> <laughs> Honker's funny. Honker's really funny. Um, so Goslin, you know, Goslin comes into the hut, gives Drake his Darkwing stuff, and she's like, you know, they're gonna cook you. You're gonna be, you're gonna be the, um, the snack god. They're gonna feed you to the volcano. And yeah, sure enough, they Darkwing notices a, you know, points to a totem pole outside, and there he is at the bottom of it. Um, so like I said, you know, they're gonna feed you to the volcano. You're the snack god. And Darkwing is like, you know, wait a minute. These guys love me. I'll prove it. And he goes outside, goes up to one of the, you know, you know one of the Bigfoot tribe. And what does he say to them? Uh, I forget the line. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, what's the lowdown on the totem pole, on the volcano, bub? Um, <laughs> and the thing with the um, this tribe all of their dialogue, literally, all of their dialogue is humana, 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 and then something <laughs> random. Uh, what is the first one they do, Bill? Humana, 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 barka lounger. And Darkwing goes, yeah, yeah, comfy chair to you too, pal. <laughs> and yeah, they prove it. They're going to feed him to the volcano. Uh, he draws a crude picture in the dirt, Darkwing, but then... Um, the native builds a real volcano out of dirt, takes a Darkwing duck toy, third episode in a row we've seen one of these, funny enough, right, and right. drops it into the volcano, and, it, and the actual, you know, pretend volcano goes off. And if you've noticed, go back and look, anybody listening to this, the smoke rings around the explosion are pink, purple, and blue, Darkwing colors. <laughs> 
Very clever little visual touch. So, yeah, they're going to throw him in the volcano. And the only way he can get out of this, apparently, based on Goslin's translation of her comic book, is if he proves he's worthy of not being thrown out by pa- thrown in there by passing their tests. Um, he does try to, um, to scare them by doing an entrance. He says, I am the ingrown toenail in your party pumps. Um, I don't know why he'd have any experience with that, but eh, whatever, it's Darkwing. And um, the chief shows up, and his first task is what, Bill? What do they want him to do? Well, first he says, humana, 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 shamalama, ding dong. That's what Darkwing says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which that, re- that references a, um, a song by uh, Otis Day and the Knights, which was in, uh, featured in um, National Lampoon's Animal House. Mm. So their first task is a choice. It's one that sounds absolutely horrible. I love the animation of Darkwing just kind of melting into the tree stump because he's so terrified. <laughs> uh, or he could fight the warrior known as born with delicate bone structure. <laughs> so he, he goes for this one. Like he gets, he gets his fists up. He's like, honk man, catch her if she faints. And born with delicate bone structure shows up. And this guy is the size of a tank. And... I love the point of view shot of Darkwing's jaw dropping open when he gets a load of this guy. And one of my favorite Darkwing lines in the episode, he goes, greetings, born with delicate bone structure and fists the size of cassava melons. Um, so obviously he's getting the crap beaten out of him and uh, he can't take this guy. So what happens next, Bill? Uh, well, he tries to shoot him with a gas gun. Yeah. But- there's a little bit of quicksand in it from when Goslin and Honker were in the uh, the quicksand. Yep. And um, so they have to create a diversion. Goslin's like, come on, we have to help Dad. And Honker says, don't look at me. And in one of like Honker's like finest moments, he comes out of a bush holding a flashlight under his face, going, look at me, look at me, look at me be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that's the best uh pay one of the better payoffs uh, on a line i love it there's some weird writing here these i mean i'll I'll go right out and say it they the writing treats this tribe as the characters think they're very primitive like they keep referring to them as being like superstitious primitives but they keep throwing in these really random things like when honker does this they shine gigantic spotlights on them like they have the technology or something like that I don't quite know why they're doing it because it's not commented on, um, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, it's very interesting how they go about uh, adding, uh, like you said, all the technology. And, and, you know, it, I guess it's their way to compete with, uh, you know, you know, Darkwing and Goslin and Honker. But yeah, mm. I don't know. There's maybe there's something to be spoken about that. Maybe the writers were just you know, throwing that in for visual gags. Uh, I'm not really sure, but yeah, I, I could see. I wish they would have fleshed it out. It's kind of half-baked. Yeah, right. But either way, Goslin helps defeat Born with Delicate Bone Structure by cutting a log and knocking it on his head. So Darkwing wins the first, the first trial. And the second trial also happens to be the last trial, which makes me think there's something missing here. I'd love to see the script to this episode. I bet the script has a lot of stuff that would explain some of these things. 
I just have a feeling. So Darkwing's second trial is the dance marathon. Um, I don't know about you, but I love the music here. Yeah, isn't it new music? Did did uh um was no this was this? this was from Slaves to Fashion. They played it at the school dance. Oh, okay. So this is this has popped up before, but you can hear more of it in this episode. Um so of course Darkwing's dancing with the biggest uh female tribe, tri you know, the native they've got. Obviously he would be. Um, but he wins because Goslin uses the blowgun and uh, hits him right in the butt. <laughs> you know, between these two episodes you've done with me, there's lots of characters getting hit right in the butt. <laughs> um, a little bit of uh, slapstick. Yeah, why not? Uh, so Darkwing wins. Thanks to Goslin, Darkwing wins. But unfortunately, Honker and Goslin keep screwing Darkwing over by mistranslating the things in the comic and the things the uh, the tribe is saying. So instead of Darkwing Duck proving himself worthy of not being fed to the volcano, all he's done is proved himself worthy of being fed into the volcano. <laughs> um, and when Goslin complains, you know, I'm his daughter, I helped him, I deserve the same treatment he's got. All three of them end up about to be fed into the volcano. So, yeah. um, and some more humming lines uh, include, uh, well, obviously, uh, after the dance marathon, uh, the, the chief refers to Darkwing as dances with Bigfoot. Yep. Uh, he uh, responds to Goslin uh, at one point uh, with soup du jour. Mm hmm. <laughs> and Goslin yeah. tries to plead, uh, or, or uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll let you um, lay this one up. This this gag. Another gag, payoff gag. This, this is a good gag. All of a sudden, <laughs> as they're about to be fed to the volcano, everyone looks up, and what should they see up in the air? The Zeppelin comes back. <laughs> and Darkwing's like, Goslin, Goslin, tell them that's a bird god that he's angry and you should let us go. And Goslin walks up to the tribe and goes, Hamana, Hamana, Hama, Topo Gigio, who um, <laughs> Topo Gigio was an Italian mouse puppet. Uh, most famous in the U.S. for appearing on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, really, really dated reference. Um, so the tribe goes into a huddle. He looks up, sees the Zeppelin. And Darkwing's like, what did they say? And Goslin says, they said they can't see the bird god because the Zeppelin's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all three of them get knocked into the volcano. And Darkwing takes his... Wait, does he use the gas gun here to bring down the Zeppelin? Yep, yep. So, uh, it, so it works. It must, so it must have dried out. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and the Zeppelin falls into the volcano with him. Now, this is another one of my favorite scenes in this episode, where Darkwing decides to pull everybody out by tying himself to them. And he's going to climb the wall. He's going to center himself by chanting mantras taught to him by Tibetan yogis when he was a boy. And this is just great writing paired with great Jim Cummings acting because he's climbing up the wall and he goes, A, he, I, O, U, and sometimes Y. And my favorite, favorite, favorite run of dialogue by Jim. It's so hilarious. Like he's in the middle of just talking to himself as he's climbing the wall. And it cuts to him, you know, up the wall and he goes, so then the yogi says to me, Beetle nuts. You must snatch the pebbles from my hands. And I say, who are you calling a beetle nut, you bonehead? <laughs> that was sort of the beginning of the end. 
it's it's so great. Like you can only imagine what must have happened. Um, so Goslin takes matters into her own hands by using the broken Zeppelin as a slingshot, and she saves all three of them. And the volcano explodes. Um, take it from here, Bill. How's our action-packed climax go? Uh, so they end up falling from the vo- volcano uh, into the tribe, and the tribe starts to chase after them. They go one way, and then they notice the <laughs> lava from the volcano coming at them. So the tribe uh, runs away, and then uh, uh, Darkwing, Gaz, and Honker run away. Uh, <laughs> and Dar- Darkwing, uh, he, he's pointing to a lake because I guess uh, there's there's some boats over there that they can yeah. escape on. But the lava uh, blocks their path. So they get across by everyone climbs on Darkwing's back and he walks across the lava. Like, just <laughs> walks across the lava. He doesn't even flinch. Um, he does this thing, weird, weird movements with his arm. I don't know what those are supposed to be, like swinging them back and forth. But he's, he's literally walking across the lava. They get in the I- boat. Yeah, I, I real quick, I was gonna point out that the the foley for him locking walking through lava is almost comical in itself because it's just little little tiny splashes as if you were just you know stepping in puddles. Yeah, just little puddles, you know. Oh, it's lava, you know, it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. And um he makes a comment that the Murray Arthur fire dance lessons paid off. Um I think that's a I think that's definitely one of those references that zip right over my head as a kid. Um, who is yeah, Murray yeah. Arthur? Uh, Mur- it, it's actually Arthur Murray. Right. Swap, yes. swap the name. Uh, and he was a uh, classical uh, uh, ballroom dancer, and uh, he opened up a chain of um, uh, dance studios, uh, I guess, throughout um, throughout the country. Actually, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he started out in um, uh, apparently in Hungary, mm. and. Uh, moved over to uh to the states and uh opened up a chain of dance studios so there's the reference to that little dated okay. though and there you go just yeah. like topo gigio <laughs> really dated right. um but you know darkwing didn't totally get by on skates he did burn his feet but he's really casual about it um so they, they take off in the boat of the natives are still right behind them you know they're they these guys are not giving up and then all of a sudden, Honker goes, wait, pull up to that bush. And they, they get away with a pee joke here. And Darkwing says, Honker, you should have thought of that before we left. Um, <laughs> what's behind the bush? The Thunderquack. I think this is the only time in one of Svako and Tabor's episodes where the Thunderquack is actually seen. Because who gets into the pilot seat? Remarkably, that'd be Darkwing. <laughs> <laughs> that... And it's been established he does not know how to fly, but I guess they have to get home somehow. Um, but again, a joke from the first act pays off. This is where the autopilot took the thunderquack. So they get away, and we get another one of those weird jokes with technology. The natives pile into a modern um, passenger plane. Like they just walk into the plane like it's like the most normal thing for them to do. The only reason they can't go after them, apparently, is because either engine trouble or it's out of gas. It's not really explained. Um, but that's it. The chase is over. And um, <laughs> I do really love this last gag, though. I think it's really funny. J- Drake and Gosling are at home. His feet are bandaged up. They're eating hamburgers. 
And they're totally, they're laughing at the tribe, you know. We sure showed them, huh? They won't be sacrificing any totem pole lookalikes for a while. And they're laughing as they go up the stairs. And then we cut to the chief. And take us home, Bill. What is our very last gag? Uh, he says, uh, 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 one more humana humana. I think he said claw god. Claw like god. Claw god. Yeah. And uh, uh, the cut to a shot of uh the one of the totem poles and sure enough at the bottom of it is an image of launchpad <laughs> he's the clod isn't he he is he is <laughs> not not as big a clod as the new ducktail series but you know it's launchpad that that fits um i i miss launchpad we've done two episodes together and we haven't even seen launchpad um we'll, we'll get plenty of him in the next episode right um, i guess Terry was uh, kind of busy or something like that. Well, Launchpad's, in a major- Launchpad's in more episodes than Goslin is, so taking a couple of breaks isn't really a big deal. He no. doesn't have to be in everyone. Um, so that's Dancing with Bigfoot. That's it's, it's a weird episode, I'll give it that. I do enjoy <laughs> it. I think when it's funny, it's really funny, and when it's strange, it's pretty strange. What do you think? I... I, I I completely agree with you on that because I uh, I actually revisited it myself recently, knowing the fact that I'd be on today, um, and you know maybe when I was uh, in my you know maybe, maybe when I was watching this uh, originally because I do remember seeing this as a kid. Yeah, uh, me too, of course. Uh, and I yeah I enjoyed a lot of the uh, uh, you know the the dialogue between. Um, Hawker and Goslin, the back and forth with that, and then Darkwing trying to do this whole, uh, you know, prove yourself worthy, and that ends up uh, uh, going to heck. Uh, I, I, I just have to, you know, I, I mean, I, I have to admit it, you know, it got me a few times, but you know, wasn't really, you know, the one of the top tier, certainly not the top tier, not oh, even, no. uh, I don't even think the the, the second tier, you know, but eh, it, it was okay. What would you give this as a gas gun, uh, gas canister rating, Bill? Uh, I think um, I'm, I don't know if I'm being generous here or not, but I think I'm going to go uh, with a two and a half. Uh, and okay. that, that's probably because, you know, a lot, a lot of clever writing, um, even for somebody who's in uh, his 30s like myself. Uh, I, I, you know, I uh, now as an adult, I appreciated some of the the old jokes, but I don't know if it would have found. Uh, itself funny to to people or, or to kids in that era. Though if if parents were watching Darkwing with their kids, they at that time they would have certainly got those jokes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as for all the uh, like a lot of the the stuff with the tribe and um, you know some of the some of the gags, you know eh, that that kind of pulled it down. And the animation was you know average. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of this stuff, but I'm going to be slightly more generous than you. I'm going to give it a three because I find the stuff that's funny is really funny. Like the horrible death by suffocation, the snake, the the Zeppelin and uh, the Thunderquack and <laughs> the Hamana 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 stuff. It's the stuff with Darkwing climbing up the side of the volcano. The I launch am, pad I'm, joke at the end. I'm I am whole. I am free. <laughs> Um, it's, it's good. It's, there's some good dialogue in this one. Like these, these voice actors are really, really hitting it home in this one. 
And I think it's just strong enough that I want to give it, you know, I want to give it a three. It's a nostalgic favorite for me. Maybe if I encountered it now and I'd never seen it before, I wouldn't like it as much. But I'm going to give it a three. I, I enjoy it for what it is. Sure, um, that's fair. So I think we should also rate, I guess we really can't call these guys villains. They're more like an obstacle, antagonists. What do you have to say about the Bigfoot tribe? What would you rate them? Um, well, uh, I mean, you know, I guess when it all comes down to it, it's, uh, you know, well, you know, I don't, I don't remember it as fondly as, as you might. So that's why, you know, looking back, uh, they, they were somewhat forgettable to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, they weren't really much of a threat. They were just kind of an obstacle similar to, um, do you remember the pygmy tribe from, uh, uh, the one tailspin, tailspin yeah. episode whenever uh, Rebecca was and Belu go after the, 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 the truffles. Truffles, the one with the pig, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Similar to that, you know, they weren't uh, – in fact, that's that's almost slightly verbatim uh, uh, from what, you know, was done in that episode. But, yeah, I mean, you know, not much of a threat. Um, funny here and there, obviously. Um, I don't even know what kind of uh, – uh animal they were supposed to be was it was it like a were they like woodchucks or something i was gonna say what they have the buck woodchuck teeth yeah yeah not like, I, I don't know what they're supposed to be yeah yeah but um yeah to, to wrap it up uh, and, and rate them i'd probably just give them um i'm gonna give them a one and a half yeah you know what i'll give the exact same score the two things that help them are the hummer 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 nonsense and the born with delicate bone structure. I think that's really funny. Um, yeah. But they're entirely forgettable. They would not do this kind of thing now on a modern show. Because then you run the risk of, you know, talking about indigenous tribes. How politically correct is that? Especially the way the main characters talk down to them. Um, I don't think it's too. I don't think it's too problematic considering they're just animals anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, they wouldn't do that now, but they're all right. I mean, we've really got to the point in the show where almost all our villains are just reoccurring supervillains now. So it's a novelty whenever you get new villains. But for the most part, a lot of our one-shot villains now are going to be kind of at the bottom of the pack in terms of memorable, you know, how memorable they are. Um, Luckily, Bushroot's coming back next episode again, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, Speaking of the next episode... Our last two episodes, we talked a lot about references to different types of things. This one takes the cake. The next episode is Twin Beaks, one of the oddest Darkwing Duck episodes of all time. Um, referencing everything from Twin Peaks it's, itself, of course, to the far side and Star Wars. This is an interesting one. Um, I cannot wait to talk about it. Hopefully, we'll, we'll, we'll be back for this one. Um, hope he gets better soon. But until then, Bill, is there anything you want to plug? How can the fans find you? Uh, uh, the fans can find me on Facebook, uh, Bill Udesky. I'm also on uh, Twitter. Uh, I post, you know, seldomly, but I'm on there, uh, DJSKYES, DJ Skies. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. And I'm also on the, uh, the Zoom chat uh, uh, here and again. Right. Same here. I, I try to, I've been trying to get back to it, but, you know, now that, Things are opening up in this country. You know, I, you know, restrictions have been lifted. I've been back at work. I've been busy. You know, it's it's life. You know, it's our new normal. It's definitely, you know, it's 
takes some getting used to, but it's nice to have things like Darkwing Duck or the new DuckTales to look forward to, you know? I hope everybody at home is listening to the podcast and enjoying it. I hope it brightens up your Mondays or whenever you do get a chance to listen to it. Yeah, sometimes Um, a pleasant, pleasant distraction every now and again. And, of course, we are St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We are so lucky to be on all major podcast apps, including Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, uh, uh, Amazon. This list, list is... It's so huge. Also, YouTube, of course. You can find our virtual panel from back in the summer. And you can talk into your Amazon Echo. She'll play the latest, latest episode for you there. Of course, as Bill mentioned, we have Saturday night Zoom chats, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, talk to Will. He'll get you in there if you're interested in joining. And, um, yeah, that's about it for this episode. Another one. But before we go... I hope everybody has a really good night, and thank you once again, Bill, for being my co-host for this one. Absolutely. Uh, a pleasure as always, and uh, glad to be a part of the St. Canard Files. So with that said, everybody have a great night, and stay dangerous. Humana, 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 e pluribus unum. You said it, Bill. <laughs> <laughs>